we do seek first your kingdom, O God, and your righteousness, and trust that all other things will be added to us. So this day, as people are seated, as we settle in to reflect on a text, may your spirit be the teacher, the speaker, the revealer, so that what is experienced and known can come from your heart. We believe, we trust, that you are always wanting to speak to your children. So as Samuel of old said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Unite us now as one body, not only in this place, but with people of faith all around the world and in all time and space as we employ the words that Jesus long ago taught his first disciples as we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Be seated, please. In Alice in Wonderland, Alice says to the Cheshire cat, tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? Well, said the cat, that depends on where you want to go. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, added Alice as an explanation. Oh, said the cat, you're sure to do that if only you walk long enough. Or to put it more succinctly, If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Where are you going? If you want to go to Cincinnati, the best road is I-71 north. If you want to go to Bowling Green, the best road is I-65 south. If you're wanting to find the land of Oz, you follow the yellow brick road. If you want to go to hell, take the road that's paved with good intentions, as they say. But if you want to find the kingdom of God, God's dream for this world, for you personally and for us corporately, if you want to find that way, then you go the way of Jesus, who said, do unto others. You do it. You do it unilaterally, whether or not it is ever returned. You do unto others as you would want them to do to you. He said, this is the law and the prophets. This is it. This is the way, the truth, and the life. So I guess the question for you and me always is, where do we want to go? Where do you want to go? Tom Long says that the Kingdom Road has beautiful scenery. It's filled with love and joy and peace and forgiveness. But the road itself is hard. And the way to it is narrow. He's, of course, referencing Jesus, who says, enter by the narrow gate. In other words, not just any old way will do. We are prone to want to go 
our own way, the way of education or money, the way of magic words of salvation, the ways of our own ingenuity. But Jesus says these are the wide gates. These are the easy roads. The masses flood in, but they do not lead you to God. The only gate is the narrow, the intentional gate, the single file gate, the gate that sort of squeezes us. It makes us leave behind all the stuff we don't really need. So narrow is the gate and hard is the road. Hard is the road. I think if you take nothing else from this service of worship, remember that the road is hard. Some people presume that if you're on a hard road, you must be on the wrong road. But Jesus says if you're on the hard road, you might be on the right road. G.K. Chesterton long ago said Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and thus left untried. There is no cheap grace. We just sang about marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, that love that we are received and welcomed into, but the effect on our life is hard. It's not cheap. It costs us. But Jesus says it's the way which leads to life. What makes this road so hard? Well, among other things, Jesus says, beware of the false prophets. That sounds serious. Prophets are people who tell you, uh, kind of describe what's happening in the world and anticipate what is to come. Beware of false prophets. They're like ravenous wolves, he says. Now he's got my attention. For immediately what comes to my mind is that childhood story I hope Irla never hears about Little Red Riding Hood. You remember this story? It's kind of a traumatic story. Depending on which version you read, the wolf comes into Grandma's house and either ties her up nicely and puts her in the closet or eats her. Um... And then takes grandma's nightgown and puts it on and slips into the bed and waits for little red riding hood. In other words, this ravenous wolf appears as a friend. He wears the facade of the faithful grandma's gown or as Jesus would put it, the sheep's skin. But beneath this familiar sheepskin, which would say, he's just one of us, just one of us sheep. But beneath this is this strange, hidden, self-serving agenda. Call these false prophets the Amways of prophets. They live on eating and preying on others. And Jesus says, beware. Watch out. Because the road we walk isn't a road set off by itself. It's a road right here among many other roads. Roads that Jesus said leave lead to destruction false prophets are around beware says Jesus well this raises the question for me and I assume for you who are these false prophets who are we supposed to be so afraid of who are these ravenous wolves well when you're young or perhaps when you're new to faith or maybe if you're just in the habit, you defer the, your, your conclusion about who false prophets are to other people. To the teachers, to those who have studied it, to the elders, to those who have had the experiences. And what many of us were taught 
was a message that may not have been original to those who gave it to us, but it came from somewhere who said to us, the false prophets are the liberals. Or the false prophets are the people who don't believe the Bible in the same way that we do. Or the false prophets are the activists who, who do things rather than just talking about Jesus. Or the false prophets are the Catholics or the Masons or the gays or the Jews or the Buddhists. Or sometimes they all just got lumped together under the, under the term world. Beware of the world. The ways of the world are evil. If you didn't grow up in church, perhaps you heard that the false prophets were the Democrats or the Republicans or the Russians or the Socialists. Something, some system told us these are the enemies. And you should dedicate your life to condemning and eradicating these false prophets. And many of us did. We didn't question the validity of the assumptions or whether or not we actually had the right enemy, the right false prophet in mind. But I'll say that for me, it never quite felt right. Are you sure these are the false prophets? And now I realize why, why it felt so uncomfortable to me. I think these were decoys. We've been worried about faux enemies. And while we've been unwittingly battling the wrong people, the real wolf has slipped in and torn our lives to shreds with lies. Lies like, there's not enough for everyone. There is a world of scarcity. And there's only so much to go around. And in fact, someone is out to steal what you've been working for, so don't trust other people. They're out to get you. Live in fear. We're not one people. It's everyone for themselves. So Do not do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. That's foolishness. Or this message. Your life is expendable. Because love is conditional. And life is a contest. And unless you're one of those who can really strive and achieve and win the game at the end, then you probably won't be loved by yourself, by others, and certainly not by God. Am I overstating this? Am I caricaturing these? These are the messages that I suspect you recognize as the dependency-seeking, scarcity-mongering, fear-the-stranger kind of codes that underlie so many messages that you and I receive six days a week and sometimes seven We've been naively and blindly fighting the wrong false prophets. But once you see it, once you begin to identify what feels to you like the real false prophet, well, then you see it everywhere and you live not in fear, but in grace, in hope. That with God, you can avoid these false prophets and walk this narrow, hard way which leads to life. Several years ago, Terry and I got to visit the beautiful cities of Charleston, South Carolina, and Savannah, Georgia. 
Many of you have been there, these beautiful antebellum uh, cities that have kind of retained this way of the South with their beauty and their gardens and their grandeur, their Spanish oaks and their moss and all that nostalgia about the old days. And I have to say, I was intrigued. I was kind of drawn to this kind of idyllic little world. Until, as I've told you, I read some months ago this book called The Invention of Wings, set in Charleston, South Carolina, and detailing the horrors of slavery. It's, it's had a... It's had a life-changing effect on me. And then, to make matters worse, a friend recommended another book by an author named Edward Baptist. Can you imagine somebody with the last name of Baptist? That would be a bummer. Um, (laughs) Baptist has written a book titled The Half Has Never Been Told. American Slavery and the Rise of Capitalism. In it, he tells... And proves with, with data how our wealth as a country, how we move from being colonies to the richest and most powerful nation on earth, how it was all built on the terrorism, and I use that word intentionally, the terrorism of slavery in the 19th century. How f- slave families were torn apart without any consideration. People... people uh, herded to the south with chains around their neck and forced to work day after day in the cotton fields for that was the economy. All about the cotton. And how year and after year the quotas would go up and the way they would get the quotas, the, the amount of cotton picked to go up, was by terror. You pick more cotton or you're beaten. And I begin to see Familiar patterns that I hear even today. I'm talking about history, but the history continues to cycle until people with the eyes to see and the ears to hear recognize we've been following the way of the false prophet. After 1865, when slavery was uh, theoretically abolished, laws were put into place that ended up putting most of those former slaves right back into jails and prisons. And then the prisons designed a really creative idea. They would rent out the slaves, the former slaves, the prisoners, out into these fields to do the very same work they'd done before. And I think about this current day when one in three African Americans have some connection to our criminal justice system. And I think... The false prophets have continued to tell their stories and we have continued to follow them. Even today, we allow people into our country to do our bidding, to do our dirty work, to pick our fruits and vegetables, but we don't allow them a path toward citizenship. And if you just stand back, you can say from a distance, well, it's all good. Look how pretty all the fruit looks on the racks at Kroger. It all looks so nice and innocent and benevolent. It's like, it's like familiar uh, surroundings. It's like, it's like grandma's gown. It's like the sheep's clothing. But grandma, what big eyes you have. Grandma, what big ears you have. Grandma, 
What big teeth you have. Bite by bite, the false prophet's message gnaws at our spirit and competes with the message of God. The false prophet says it's everyone for themselves. There's not enough to go around. Scarcity, scarcity. When the Bible says God is trustworthy, that the, the world was created, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and that there's enough for everyone. There's extravagance in the kingdom of God. The false prophet says, it's everyone for themselves. Don't do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And the gospel says, the good news says, we are more than ourselves. We are one with each other as the body of Christ, but with the people outside these walls as well. We are one. The false prophet says, love is conditional. Life is a contest. And this eats away at the message of God, which says we are made in the divine image and that Everyone, everyone, from little Irla to the children being born in uh, war-torn countries to the refugees who find their way into the nation of Morocco, every one of them is precious in God's sight. We teach it to our children, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in the sight of Jesus. But he warns us. Narrow is the gate, hard is the road. While six days a week we traverse the land of wide gates and easy path, along comes the false prophet who has the capacity to try to justify wars, ignore wage gaps, blame victims, and distract us with circus and bread. But on Sunday, on Sunday, we come into this place Sometimes you show up just because your friends are here. Sometimes you show up here because uh, your wife made you show up. Sometimes you show up here just because it's our custom. It's what we do on Sunday. But on Sunday, what we're really doing in this place is countercultural. It's subversive. If we do it right, what we're doing is renewing our allegiance to another vision. To live and thrive in what Jesus described as the kingdom of God. What God wants the world to be like. We're doing unto others. Being neighborly and humble and generous and non-judgmental is, is who we are. It's what we're about where we have the capacity in this place to hear, as we sang to Irla, before you were born, God loved you. All the days of your life, God loves you. That's the message. We don't want to hear that sad refrain that Jesus had to, had to say. I can, I can hear his broken heart as he says, I never knew you. Go, go away from me, evildoer, not as punishment, but as reality. You separate yourself from the one who always loves you. It's a narrow gate of pain. It's a hard road of honesty and vulnerability. It's recognizing that, yes, we are our brother's keeper, but Jesus told us straight up, this is no cheap grace. And so the question is, do you still want to go? 
knowing what we know, do we still want to go? Jesus said if you pay attention, you can spot the wolf's agenda. You can see it. You can, you can, you can identify it. You'll know them by their fruits, Jesus said. In other words, the, the, the effect of their life will be evident. You'll know them by their fruit. When I think of the fruit of the false prophet, of the ravenous wolf, I think of fear, anxiety, competition, impatience, greed, stealth, suspicion, and unfettered consumption. Compare that, if you will, to what Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit being. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The first sounds like a formula for the evening news. The agenda of the corporate American dream. The second sounds to me like the kingdom of God. Narrow, yes. Hard, yes. But it's the way to life. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. We want to go where you lead us. And so we would come and follow you when you call our names and we would be your people in this day and time. Give us courage. Give us creativity. Give us uh, humility. Give us love. Give us patience. Fill us with your spirit. In the name of Jesus, who sends the Spirit to us, we pray. Amen.